How are you? Good. What's your emotional meter today? Um, my temperature today, I think it's another good day of just like normal temp. I'm, I'm doing really good. I, I've, um, I went to work yesterday. It was a good day and all things are good. What about you? That's good. I like to hear that. Yeah. Good too. Tom's having, so it's like twofold. Um, he's, you know, he's, Tom's having a tough time. Um, he always got some more progression seems to, you know, it's kind of smoldering here. It's, you know, we have more of it today and we had more yesterday. We seem to have a little more every day, which we had a long, had a long period where we didn't have noticeable declines, but we see them now. And, um, but like we're managing, I'm managing it, I think. And, um, but I did all my labs. I had to do all my, you know, biannual labs today and they all were so good. I was really very happy. I'm so proud of you. A little self-care going on. It's really good. It seems like all the chemistry is kind of just, just right. My cholesterol is good. And I had to really advocate for myself to not be on statins, but to be on an alternative to a statin. And that was like a little bit of advocacy there that I had to do for myself. I don't tolerate statins. And if I'm not on them, my cholesterol gets high. And that's scary because that could be a heart attack. So after a year, we're seeing the medications really work and my Hashimoto's is in, in control. So I'm, I, th- I think a win for me today. That's how I feel. Well, we take every W we can get. I know we do. And so it's been good. So today we're going to talk about in pieces. We're going to make try to make this as quick a podcast as we can. So it's not too lengthy and too in-depth. We could go more in-depth if people have questions and they want to email us. We'll put them in the show notes and um, then go from there. And then if you, you'll have our email, will be there. So you can send us a message and say, hey, can you talk more about this? Today, we're going to talk about the Elizabeth Dole Home Care Act of 2023. And it's it's pretty dense. So we're going to split it into two different podcasts. And then next week, we're going to also do a podcast. We're going to at least record the podcast after we watch a seminar called Jimmo versus Sibelis, which has to do with Medicare and physical therapy and, and having physical therapy covered by Medicare as it relates to maintenance. It's very important for our, our pals, our people with ALS. So we'll also talk about that. And that's for all communities. That's not just for the for the veteran space. This is more specific for the veteran space, though we do know that oftentimes what happens in the veteran space can eventually trickle down into other communities and other non-veteran spaces, which is what we hope will happen with some parts of this bill. So we're going to talk about three parts of it, and you know them a little more in depth than I do. Um, so I'll, I'm going to pass the baton to you for some of it and ask you questions. Let's talk about the first three components. We sort of put them in order, and then we'll wrap it up and we'll do this again in a couple of days or early Sounds next good. week. So my hand, it's my hand off to you. Oh. That's what it is. <laughs> you didn't yeah, see there's it. there's a couple of components to this bill. And we we talked about the last um podcast a little bit about my trip to Washington, DC to you know discuss this bill and, and the component of the 65%. So we we touched on that last week, but other components of this bill is 
to ask the VA to centralize, get a, create a centralized website to share information and resources related to home and community-based programs and help veterans and caregivers determine their eligibility. And, and Mary, why is that so important to centralize this information? Well, to centralize a website, like to put all the information together is so important. We, you and I wrote a book for, for the veteran space, veterans with ALS, for veterans and ALS and their caregivers, VA benefits and VA healthcare to help streamline the process for veterans living with ALS and their caregivers. So it would be in one place because I found, as I'm sure you did, and many other people do who are dealing with this. That is a complex disease. There's comp. There's so many grants and benefits and healthcare needs that they have, and equipment and prosthetics and departments. You cannot find them all in one place. I spent the better part of six months pulling together all of the information before we could even begin writing it, including forms that need to be filled out and in-depth information and understanding it. Just especially adaptive housing grant alone. The guidelines for that is 65 pages. Now, I realize most of us are never going to read that, but some of us may read that, and some of us may want to read that because it's important to us, depending on the way our houses are laid out. And to not have access to all of this information in one place is, is really a problem. It's, it's a time-consuming problem that many of us as caregivers to someone with ALS we don't have time for it. I had more time for it then. You didn't have any time for it then. I mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have time for it now. If I had to start that all over again, I wouldn't even do it. Well, I think it also goes to um, something you hear a lot. You don't know what you don't know. And that's true for people at the VA, clinicians that you talk to. They don't know what they don't know. So they may not even realize what resources are available outside their own siloed program. And that's what I think the benefit to this is as well. It's just, it centralizes it. So you get to see all the resources available and you're not hunting and pecking. And, you know, I heard from this caregiver that there's an auto grant or, you know, there's home-based primary care. It it really does make it, it's, it's ease of use. Right. So and, it may seem like it's a duplication of services because in essence, it's already on the website of the VA. That is true. It is. But that's like saying you and I, you know, well, we both live in the same country. So how far could we be from each other? Well, we're really far from each other. I live in North Carolina and you live in Texas. That's really far. We're not having a cup of tea tomorrow together. Right. That's how far it is. That's how in-depth and vast the VA website is. It's full of rich in-depth information, but Lord, it's not in one place. Oh it's- my gosh. You have to link to link, to link, to link, to link just mm-hmm. to find, sorry. And then some of the information is not as, um, well, informative as you would, would hope. And, and I see this being such a benefit to just being able to access care quickly. Cause again, you I mean, as a caregiver, you don't sometimes have a lot of time to sit for the next four hours trying to figure out what resources are are appropriate and what you're even eligible for. Not many people, I've talked to caregivers that were not even aware there was an auto grant. Well, that should be like an automatic thing that they're told. But if they're not in a VAMC that has an ALS clinic or 
you know, a robust ALS program, then possibly their primary care physician at the VA is unaware of the programs and services available. So I'm all for this. I think this is a great idea. I think it makes, you know, front facing um, website for the VA user friendly, which is exactly what we tried to do with our book. Um, that was actually the, what precipitated the book was the fact that we were like, there needs to be a dummies guide out there. Cause there's so much information mm -hmm. that we need. We need a, a, a quick and easy way to find out what is eligible to this population of veterans. Mm -hmm. So I think this is great. Um, another component to the Elizabeth Dole or the Dole Home Care Act is one that says it's going to expand access to home and community-based alternative care programs to veterans at all VA medical facilities, including veterans living in the U.S. territories and Native veterans enrolled in Indian health services or tribal health programs. So when we talk about community-based programs, we're talking about home-based primary care, veterans-directed care, and non-institutional skilled care. And so this program is really going to, or this component of the act is going to try to capture those areas that may not have, have these services available like veterans directed or non-institutional skilled care. So I think this is a great component because looking at the bill itself, I did see that a portion of this portion of the, the act allows for the veterans directed care to be used during hospitalization. So for any of our veterans and caregivers that are already in the VDC program, if you are hospitalized, you cannot use your non-skilled caregivers under VDC. This would allow you to be able to still access that assistance. So for example, if Tom was alive and was in the hospital, um, we would do sometimes weeks in the hospital fighting pneumonia or sepsis. And I did all of that with him. Being able to have my home-based primary care, I'm sorry, my VDC non-skilled come into the hospital and sit with Tom and, and be a present person that could suction him or advocate for him. That would have been huge for me. That would have allowed me to come home and check on our son or to get some sleep because you don't sleep when you're in a hospital, you know, the chairs aren't that comfortable and people are in and out. So I can see this portion of it. This is to me would be very helpful for those families that can access veterans directed care program, which hopefully under this act, it expands it. So more and more families can access this program. So I know veteran directed care um, was being expanded to all the VAs. It wasn't always in all the VAs or available in all the VAs. And there's a certain time period in which it has to be enacted. Is that um, 2024? Yeah, it was a executive order that came out a couple of months ago that needed, that it said that it needed to be available at all VAMCs by I think fiscal year 2024, the end of fiscal year 2024. And for just real quick, can you explain what veteran directed care is? So people who are listening who never heard of it before, heard of it, but don't, they don't really understand it. What's, what's a really quick tutorial for them on it? So veterans directed care is a 
is a program the VA offers that allows the veteran or their caregiver to hire non-skilled help and get assistance in the home. You act as the employer, but really the VA is the employer. And, and you know, they use a community-based um, service like the AAA in your community, the area agency on agents, the area agency on aging acts as like a third party to oversee the program. They facilitate the program. And depending on what your case mix is, so what kind of assistance, ADL or IADL assistance your veteran needs determines your case mix level. So for the veterans that are trached and vented, you're going to be at the highest case mix, which would be a case mix K or case mix V as in Victor. And it really has to do with budget. So you are given a budget to work under. So you have to, you know, hire your caregivers and you can't go over budget and you're signing timesheets and that goes to a third party payroll company. So you never see money. The money never goes into your account. It just, it goes straight to a third party payroll company. And that is how your non-skilled caregivers are paid. It is a great resource. And if it is available in your area, it is incredibly helpful. We used it from 20, about 2017 to when Tom passed away in 20, last year in 2022. And, and I don't know where I would have been. VDC and the caregivers saved me many occasions, especially for those that can't access skilled care, which the huge part of this component, this act, can you hear my dogs? I can hear your dogs. That's yeah. That's what keeps us real on this podcast. It is. It's real. You can't do anything when the German Shepherd starts barking. Um, the the big component of this bill is actually the sixty five percent rule or the removal of the sixty five percent. And we did talk about that last week um, about what that means. And I think this is going to make a huge difference in the lives of our ALS veterans, but it also impacts the SCI veterans as well. Those that suffer from spinal cord injuries. And so right now, for the most part, we live and die with the 65% rule, even though there is a get around in it that, you know, there are exceptions that can be made to the 65% rule if, if, you're, if your VA is willing to make those exceptions and many of them are not. The hundred Going to the 100% ruling under the Elizabeth Dole Act would eliminate trying to to get your VA to see that there's another way to do it. Correct. It will clear the path to having non-institutional care in the home. You're right. There is a, one of their directives allows for an exemption to um, have the visiting director or the head of the GEC geriatric and extended care program make an exception to the 65% rule but they don't do that. And that is, that is the reason the, I don't, I guess you could say the excuse mm -hmm. that veterans are denied care. And so a veteran like my Tom right now, he doesn't need skill care. So this doesn't affect him personally at this point, but should he become vent dependent or have other needs that required skill care pretty much around the clock? That's why the 100% rule is so important because you it means skilled care means 
you're not going to hire somebody who's not a nurse or not not licensed to do their job to come in and take care of the veteran. And it allows the veteran to live at home and not be in a in a skilled facility. It allows them to be where they want to be. And there's nothing like this that's out there right now for the veteran to go to 100%, right? There's nothing, there's no other, there's no other service that would duplicate this anywhere. Correct, right? correct. So this and is a- this is a very important piece for the veteran who wants to live out their life, the rest of their life at home, getting the care that they need, surrounded by their loved ones and in their home place. Right. And I think anybody that would say that this is a duplication of service, I I would I would say that they are not informed on the use and how the VA provides non-institutional care. We, we did fight for this program, and, and I know I talked about it last week, but there are veterans and caregivers currently fighting this, where they have brought it to the attention of their visiting director that there is an exemption, and their visiting director and their local VAMCs still are standing strong and say, no, we're not going to provide that skilled care in the home. If you need care, you are going to institutionalize your spouse, your veteran. And that really kind of goes against what you hear in, say, Senate committee meetings, because you and I are both nerds and we listen to those type of meetings. Um, And you hear all the time that the veterans should have the option to choose where they go. They should be able to stay home if they want to be home. If they don't want to be home and they want to go into an institution, they should be allowed to do that. In my case, my husband wanted to stay home. And in the case of many of the ALS veterans that have families willing to to do the caregiving, they want to stay home. And it's it's possible, but you do need the help. I mean, it is hard. I'm not going to lie. It is difficult and tiring to care for someone that's bent dependent and on a trach and peg and paralyzed and all those things. And so this just makes the path clearer. And I think ultimately it's going to give veterans a bit more of a choice on are they going to choose life support or are they going to let the disease run its course mm-hmm. and many of our veterans still want to have full lives and they are living incredibly full lives we have fathers taking their daughters to movies and first dances at weddings and advocating flying around or driving around the country advocating so there's a lot a lot to this, to this bill. Mm-hmm. It's very, as anybody can tell, it's, it's very personal to me. We, we did have the skilled care and it made a huge difference in our life. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that is three components of the Elizabeth Dole Home Care Act. We will visit the other three on our next podcast And after that podcast, we'll talk about physical therapy and Medicare. And um, we don't, Tom doesn't get all of his services from the VA. We do sometimes use Medicare. Um, Sometimes it is the path of least resistance and I'm good with that. And that's what really matters really in any of our decisions, including whether you're vented or not vented. And those are all personal decisions, but it's not up to somebody else to choose how we do those things. You know, like if you don't want to be vented, you don't have to be vented. Nobody's going to make you. But if you choose to be vented, then that's all. We should also have those services available for the veterans who are service connected with ALS. 
it should be a choice. It's sort of like a cafeteria plan. It should be a choice. You get to pick A and M, but you don't have to pick B and C and D and all the ones in between. So it's the same thing with using your Medicare dollars or using your VA services, whichever is the path of least resistance. Tom used to have physical therapy through the VA and mm, it's kind of a complicated story. So let's talk about that at this point. We could share that story some other point. We, he was in two VAs, one with specialty care for ALS and then another one that was a little bit closer to us. And then physical therapy got really screwed up. And so we said, you know what, we're just going to go through Medicare. We use Medicare dollars. And that's what we've been using for years. For years, he's had physical therapy in the home. And uh, it's because of Jimmo versus Sabella's ruling that helped make that happen. So we will talk about that in another podcast coming soon. We're going to sit through a, a really two-hour webinar, you and I virtually, little nerds that we are on policy, <laughs> listen to it and hopefully deliver really great information to those of you who need physical therapy for your spouse. I have been told at times that I could do what my what my husband's physical therapy does for him. And I say to all of those people, I can't do it and I'm not doing it. He has changing needs with ALS and I am I am not a physical therapist. I do many things for him. And I could even assist the physical therapist while he's here if he needed another set of hands, but that is not something I'm, I feel comfortable taking on. And we shouldn't have to do that. We have enough on our plates. And physical therapy is a really good thing for people to have with, with ALS. Many, many people benefit by it. So we'll talk about that on another podcast. Send us your Send us questions. If we talked about things that you want a bigger explanation on, we just make the rules for everything we talk about on this podcast. And we're happy to cover topics again if we need to and give fuller explanations. Yeah. And just so everybody, the reason we talk about, especially like the bill and, and the, you know, this upcoming seminar we're going to be sitting in is to inform you, to inform you on what is available. And if it's not available, or if you're having problems getting it, what are, what can you do to get it? So for this case, if, if, you know, you're near a, your computer, shoot one of us an email. Our email is identified in, you know, the, the RSS page for our podcast. Oh, we're on we, Facebook page. Oh my God. Oh, and we have a Facebook page. <laughs> yes. You can find us on Facebook now, but you, reach out to us. It's important that this bill passes and it only passes when your elected officials hear from you. They don't think it's important if they're not going to hear from you. And so we're talking about this and trying to break it down. So our listeners understand why. I mean, this bill has six components that it's going to impact the entire caregiver veteran space. One of those components is very specialized for high acuity veterans. So, you know, we, we say this so we can help you advocate for yourself. And this is how you do it. Send us an email and we can send you some templated language on what you can send to our elected official on this bill, which is uh, HR 542 or Senate Bill 141. Um, and they're quick. Your elected official just needs to hear from you. They need to know that what's important to you needs to be important to them. And that's why we're sharing this advocacy part. But yeah, we're going to definitely be talking about all kinds of things that impact this community. Mm-hmm. 
including things like, um, you know, having, having a dog to love on like yours. And <laughs> yeah, well, I had a conversation earlier this week with someone that we watched at the 2022 convening, uh, Dr. Quinn, and she does a lot of end of life work and it was super exciting to meet her and to, well, virtually meet her and to talk to her. And, you know, my mind was just swirling with, you know, all the different things that we can talk about on our podcast. I mean, there are things that no one wants to talk about, but we know we have to talk about them because we know what's going to happen with ALS. So there's lots of things that Mary and I are, you know, we'll talk about and we'll go, Hey, then we should add that to the podcast. Yeah. So again, if, if there's a topic you want to hear about or a topic we've already talked about and you want us to expand on it and send us your questions and tell us you're interested and we'll call you up and zoom with you and you can be part of the podcast. And I don't have something to read to close with today because it's been kind of a crazy few days around here, but I would just say my parting, my parting words for this podcast for our ALS caregivers is to try to find a few minutes every day, like one minute, just find one minute. You don't even need a few minutes. Find one minute to tell yourself something good about yourself, something you're good at, something you like to do. Find a minute to read something, anything, some music. Okay, find a few minutes and find some good music to listen to. If I would say I find a few minutes and breathe. I think I held my breath for damn near three years that Tom was straked in Bennett just because I was so stressed and nervous about everything. So just find some time and take a breath. Take a breath. Before we got on the podcast today, I squeezed in a workout on my recumbent bike, which is more often than not how I get my exercise now. I have to get it pretty much while I'm home. I mean, occasionally I can sneak out and go do something because everything is right. Like I went kayaking the other day, but first time in months and months and months. I mean, the first time I was out since Mother's Day. And you know, and it was hard. I was really nervous about it the whole time I was there. So it's not as not as easy to do as it used to be. Um, but I loved it nonetheless. I got on my bike today, and then I did a fifteen body, the fifteen minute body scan meditation. But if you don't have that time, take one minute to practice breathing, practice breathing in and breathing out, and just thinking about your breathing and let the thoughts just come right through your head. You can't stop thoughts from coming in your in your mind, but you can let them go. Just let them pass go. Let go. Just let it go and breathe in and breathe out for one minute. I absolutely agree. All right. Well, with that. Take a breath, everybody. Take a breath and we'll see you on the next podcast. See you later, Mary. Yep. Mm-hmm.